Well, happy Sunday, 4th of July to everyone. It's been a great couple weeks for me personally. Went on a road trip, put a thousand miles on, went to an amateur wrestling event, and most recently, I went to a demolition derby. So I feel like America just coursing through my veins right now. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful day to pray for our country, our nation, especially those who have served and protected it. So today at Mass, we remember them particular, especially those who currently serve, and those Catholics, that they may have access to the sacraments. And we pray as well for our nation's revival and her Christian ideals. Just reflecting on this, naturally the word and theme of freedom kept popping up in my mind. And I think it's important to note that freedom is not the liberty to do whatever one wills, whatever you desire, whatever gives you pleasure. Not that that's mutually exclusive from what the Lord desires for us, but in short, freedom is not what so many think it to be, which in a word is just relativism. One of the greatest perils of our times that the individual is the center, the defining factor of what is truth, what is morality, what is beautiful in society and in the world. I'm sure relativism, it's been around for you know, quite a long time, very popular with Kant starting the 18th century, but it's really been around much longer than even that. I think we could trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve, our first parents. That their sin wasn't what was perhaps on the surface level, the desire for a really good piece of fruit. I don't know if any of you have been tempted, very much so, to have a piece of fruit, right? I don't know if I have before. <laughs> but what their ultimate root sin was, was pride thinking that they are the center, that their will, their desires, their thoughts supersede that of God's. There's actually a theory put forth by many theologians that God always intended for us to eat of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but on his time, not our time. There's so much pride in the world, so much turning away from Christ, his church, and society, and I think we've all personally experienced this and just turn on TV, right? But I think it would be foolish, brothers and sisters, if we just kept that externally in mind. That if we just looked out and point our finger to crying injustice and evil, good things to decry, don't get me wrong, but ultimately just send up smoke signals, not actually doing anything in our personal and proximate power. We can think what Matthew writes in his own gospel, I think it's chapter 7, he writes, why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? And we could translate this word wooden beam, it would be for us literally like a two by four you find at Lowe's or Home Depot. So imagine that, you're walking around the street and there's literally a two by four sticking out of your eye. And it's pretty comical. So he continues, you hypocrite, he says, remove the two by four from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. And then Paul in our second reading today, he's continuing on this thread of humility in the face of pride. He says, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Paul responds, I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, constraints, all for the sake of Christ. 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think Christ is the perfect model of this today. He returns to his hometown today, and you would think, and those guys working some pretty cool miracles of recent memory. And what happens? He's literally rejected, insulted, made weak, and humiliated by his own people. So brothers and sisters, how beautiful it would be if we could make this, this prayer of humility, our own in practice. To stop consuming primarily our gaze on the chaos of the world, that rampant relativistic pride that's really hijacked the true meaning of freedom, but to rather humble ourselves, asking that the Lord identify and then remove those two-by-fours in our own eyes, whatever they may be, and that we may live a life in accord with Him and what He desires, so much so that His desires become our desires, and thus to be truly free. The Catechism writes this on freedom. It says, Freedom is the power rooted in our reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. But it's not a responsibility or a consciousness that's just, you know, formed at our own leisure, whatever we desire. But rather, human freedom is a force for growth and maturity and truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude. So brothers and sisters, true freedom has its foundation, its formation in Christ. And it attains its perfection when it's directed to Him, He who is alone, true, good, and beautiful. So we pray today for that divine knowledge, that grace and virtue of humility, that the Lord may remove those two-by-fours of sin, that we may live fully in the freedom found by a life of grace in His church. And after all, though we be citizens of a great nation which we pray for, we remember that by our baptism, we are firsts, And if it please him for all eternity, citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem.